unquote, making a statement about a group of people. I think that the outrage that is being shown uh, about these ads from Balian, uh, Balenciaga. was for me um, in radiology. So since I hadn't been to college, I had to do all of my basics and stuff. So I did a year of that. And then I got accepted into the uh, Coleman College. Hello, everybody. Uh, it's Dr. Rick here, along with Tiffany Okendo, uh, and together we make up the uh, Ascension podcast. We are hoping to consistently bring you messages of enlightenment, empowerment, inspiration, encouragement, and a sense of awareness and direction as we ourselves work out our journey and our path to growth and empowerment. I think that Tiffany would probably agree with me on this based on the conversations we've had that we don't want to present ourselves as being this perfect idea of everything goes smoothly, nothing ever goes wrong. We never have any challenges. We have conquered life. And I think we get a lot of that on social media. We get a lot of that on the internet. We get a lot of that. And I think that it leaves uh, a poor message. I think that uh, while I believe both of us have definitely grown in our lives, I think we've matured. I think we have a sense of direction and where we're going. Every day is a journey. Every day is a decision to get up and do something to better ourselves and to push through things that are currently blocking our path. And we experience delay, we experience frustration, we experience setbacks, we experience loneliness. And we're gonna talk about something we've both experienced and that's uh, divorce today. So there's there isn't this perfect illusion uh, or this perfect idea. It's about being your best self today. And uh, so uh, I'm going to sort of like lean into uh, my partner here and let her lead off with what we're talking about. I mean, there are so many different ways you can end up in this whole story or this narrative of divorce. And we live in a society that almost cultivates the idea of divorce. And there are times that absolutely it's necessary for the health and the safety and the well-being of a person. There are other times that I think that we use it as a scapegoat so that we don't have to put in work, so that we don't have to be committed, so that we don't have to be responsible. And I think that it's important for us to sort of set a standard of what that looks like so that we can. But me personally, I don't believe that we can truly be powerful if we don't understand the dynamic of covenant and commitment and how it plays a role in the development of the next institution, which is family and the next institution, which is community and on up. We talk about stuff as huge as race and we haven't even dealt with the home. And I think that's a problem. Uh, but tell me a little bit about your path and your experience 
Well, tell them, uh, we, we, we've sort of talked, but tell them, uh, tell the viewers your perspective, first of all, on marriage and then your perspective on divorce, and then we'll let it flow from there. Okay. Uh, so jumping right in, uh, I know you know my story, but for those of you who uh, is new listening or haven't seen my YouTube, I go into detail about um, my marriage um, and divorce on YouTube. But um, for those of you who don't know, um, I was raised a certain way. So I was raised in a two parent you know, household. So my views on marriage, um, I, I, me personally, I love the idea of marriage. Um, I, I don't want to be single. <laughs> um, I don't think that a man or, and a woman, um, is meant to be separated or separate or living in a, you know, a separate life. Um, if we want to live in our most optimal life and the, and the way of living, I think that we need each other. Um, now, those people, this is not a bash against those people who love to be single, who, who see themselves in a single and you know, they can do everything. And so I, you know, I totally I, I totally get that. And I'm this is not nothing to bash you know, people who have that viewpoint. So um, because I, I'm currently single and I and I currently hold it down on my end. Um, so so I get it. Um, but me personally, for me, I know that I can be much more. And I know I can be greater than what I am if I had a partner that could help me get me there. And I'm not in my ego to say I can do it all myself and I can I can be the perfect, you know, the greatest woman I can be without a man. I don't need a man. No, I definitely need a man. And I know the man that is designed for me can get me where I need to be. Um, so with that being said, I personally, you know, love the idea of marriage. Um, now, a lot I think a lot of us. Um, oh, I can't, I can speak, I can't speak on, um, men, but uh, females, um, who want to be married. I, I think a lot of us don't go in with the right tools that we need to be a wife. Um, and I can personally speak on that because of my background and where I come from, how I was raised, all that stuff. Uh, like I said, I came from a two parent household, but it was very, um, dysfunctional to say the least. Um, through, I guess, our other previous conversations about trauma, of course, that played a big part um, in that. And I think a lot of us don't realize that who we marry or who we're, who we can, who we connect with, um, we're not realizing why we're connecting with them. Does it need to be a marriage or is it just a lesson or something that we need to learn from because we can learn from everyone, but is it somebody that we need to be, you know, connected with as far as marriage? Um, and a lot of us don't go in thinking of that. I didn't. <laughs> so when I, when I got uh, married, I met, I met the man I married at 19 years old. So I was, I was a baby. I was, I was a kid. So, um, and I, and by that time I already had um, a two year old, almost two year old. So, um, when I met, when I met my ex-husband, uh, you know, it, I was, a, I was a kid. So I was, I was wanting to be married. Um, I wasn't thinking of marriage. I was just being with that person. Um, and then, you know, 
it got to the point we were together for a long time and and everybody kept saying when y'all getting married when y'all getting married and he made it quite clear when we first got together that you know marriage was he wasn't thinking about marriage marriage wasn't on the table um he didn't um he, he, he wanted children. And at that point in my time in my life, um, I already had a child and I didn't want any children. Um, so we were just going with the flow. So, so um, and then, you know, a couple of years down the road, we're, you know, we're together. And, and in between these years, you know, we're, we're, we're at odds. We didn't have a um, relationship where, um, I mean, it was peaceful at some times, but most of the time it was very um, chaotic. And I and I will and I will um, take you know responsibility of that because you know I I, I was who I was at that time um, I I my nature was controlling my nature was you know I'm very dominant person and if it wasn't my way you know it had to be my way or it wasn't gonna work um, and so that's how I kind of steer the relationship so you know. <laughs> I, you know, we 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 were together because I think it was comfortability. And a lot of us, I think, are in relationships because of the comfortability and the familiar the familiarity of the situation. Um, so go, going on to say that, I think that a lot of us go in go into these marriages because it's what we know. It's the person we know. And we don't want to have to start over again with someone else <laughs> doing all the same things. We might as well go ahead and just stick with this person because we know this person ain't, well, in our minds, is not going anywhere. They accept how we are, how we are and how, what our behavior is. So, you know, we just go with the flow and we just do it. Not looking at the future long run, or, you know, of how it's going to play out. Um, and especially bringing children into the mix, it gets, everything magnetizes then. <laughs> so now, so now we're, we're at this head. So we're now, now we're in a marriage and you know, what we were tolerating before we're looking at it now and we're not so much wanting to tolerate the, the stuff that we were tolerating before the ring got on our finger. So, um, that's how it was in my relationship. It was just very, uh, drama filled, very, you know, chaotic. And then when the kids came, um, it just, it just magnetized. And then I actually, I actually started to find myself within that marriage. And, you know, like I said, I was 19 when I met this person, I got married at like 20 to 26, 27. And then by that time I, I had two, had two children by him. Um, and then, and 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 by that time, I I was going on a different path, um, and he was still on his same path. Um, so when I started to do my thing spiritually, emotionally, um, it just did not work. Like we were on two totally different playing fields, and um, it just ended. You know, we we decided to end the marriage. Um, I'm going to put it out there and say yes, it was. It was brought up. It was it was brought up by it was initiated by me, um, and he, he didn't necessarily want the divorce, but I knew that it was going to be the same thing over and over again, and I I needed I needed a change. So, we you know we decided to get divorced, and 
you know, I, I've been on my own since then, since 2015. So. Right. So um, one of the things that I, I, I noticed in, in, in your analysis and breakdown of our synopsis of your marriage and basically its ultimate demise is at the beginning where you guys were and the fact that you both ignored it. Uh, and more importantly, the fact that as a man, and this is no shot at him as an individual, this is more about a cultural awareness that I have that really concerns me, is he wasn't willing to get married, but he wanted kids. Now, I can understand, if you don't have the right people around you to teach you, you don't understand the magnitude of taking that frame of mind and how that plays out. And there are so many other things stacked against you. And, and I think that when people on the surface think about marriage and divorce, because I know when, you know, the few people that I've talked to about my divorce, I haven't really been very verbal or vocal about it. And, you know, for a number of different reasons, I just find that people are nosy most people aren't really trying to ask so that they can provide some insight or to help in the healing. And right now, if you're not helping in my healing, then there's no need for me to converse about it. Uh, people want the inside scoop. People like to see people fight too. And there are people that are actually upset with me because I don't have a negative or aggressive mentality towards my ex-wife. And it, it's crazy, but the thing is, I don't think we, uh, and I've written, and, and you and I talked about this. I've written two books on marriage, When Your House Is Not a Home, 20 years ago. Uh, it was my fourth book. And more recently, Merging Souls, which was my 23rd book. And I deal with all of the different dynamics and elements and components that have to be in alignment to make marriage uh, successful. And what most people don't do is go into marriage, which was your initial point, with an understanding of just what's, what they're going to have to put into it to make it work. Everybody has gotten consumed with romanticism. So, oh my God, his body. Oh my God, she's so right. sick. Oh my God. <laughs> the romance of it, the, the, the feeling, the emotion, but emotions are not enduring. They're, they, they're, they don't have great endurance. They were never meant to be a sustaining force. They're indicators. They'll, they'll tell you how you feel about something, but they're not meant to sustain that something. That called, that The thing that sustains that something is called work. Right. It's called cultivation. And one of the things that I think we fail to do is entering into marriage is gain an understanding, number one, of what it's going to take to sustain it. Number two, what direction are we headed in? Because what will happen is what happened to you is you started to grow and he didn't. So now you're not only in different spaces, you're on two different paths. It's not like you're growing faster. You're growing faster and in a different direction. Right. And so now the strain is becoming greater because you see something different and you want something different than you started out wanting. And because you didn't build it together, you didn't have anything. When you're building something together, you're consulting and communicating constantly. So you're saying, is this what we want to do? 
Is this how we, and see, that's the other thing that I found in relationships. We are being conditioned in today's culture not to surrender a part of ourselves. So you have two whole people that are solely consumed and concerned with what they want. And so at any time that there is a conflict, there's nothing pulling them together because it's about what I'm getting. I'm here because of what I got and what I can get from you. I'm not here thinking about what I can give you, but more importantly, what I can build with you. So as soon as I stop feeling the emotions and the romance and the honeymoon is over, and the first time I sense that you're on some other thing than I'm on, then we're not on the same page. This isn't going to work. Yeah, and, I, and, and, and throughout my marriage, I kept trying to force it. So if I was going this way, I was wanting him to come with me. So I would explain everything that I was learning or doing, and he just was not interested. And he said, well, hey, if this is what you want to do, that's what you want to do. Go ahead and do it. He was like, I don't have to. But I'm like, you don't understand. Like, <laughs> We kind of need to go together. We got to go together. So, right. and it wasn't something that he, he was interested in or wanted to do. Um, and so I felt, you know, alone, like I was like, I had nobody to talk to. Cause even when I talked, I knew he's not interested in what I'm in interested in. So we had no conversation. And then, um, that made a big rift. It, it, like it, 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 it changed the emotions. Like you said, emotions don't stay the same. So it's like now all of a sudden, you know, months and months of this go by and it's like, now the feelings aren't the same. Um, I'm looking at this person totally different. And also I'm changing in different ways. So I'm not the same woman. I'm not the same woman I was when I was 19. I'm definitely wasn't the same woman when I started doing all this stuff. I was in my early 30s, my 30s. So, you know, coming into that age, I'm a totally different person then than I was at 19. And then all of a sudden I get on this path and I'm a totally different person again. And I'm doing things that I like. And he's asking me, well, when did you start liking this? Well, why do you, why are you doing this? And he's asking me, oh, you never used to do that before. And I'm like, well, this is what I'm doing now. Like, get on the same page. Get on the same page as me. And you didn't want, and he didn't want to, so. Right. You know. And, and again, it goes back to that discussion of how committed are you to put in the work? And there's no impetus in today's culture to put in the work. I can remember doing the research. Well, first of all, I can remember uh, growing up and being reared in a home with two parents. They weren't my biological mother and father. They were my biological great-grandparents. So they were my grandmother's parents. But growing up in a home, which, what I saw was a dynamic that was at play where there was le there were levels of responsibility of each party to one another and to the things that they had committed to do. And each person had a role. The roles were understood and each person moved toward the other person with an understanding that that person had as much right in this thing as they did. And so there was a level of respect. And when I start doing my research to write uh, When Your House Is Not a Home, I broke the barriers of race. I interviewed people from Asian cultures, Arab cultures, um, Eastern, Middle Eastern, uh, Latino cultures, um, and here in the West. And the West is completely different than the vast majority of the world, especially in the East, especially when you talk about Asia and you talk about the Arab world, where 
there is an understanding within the family structure of what you're going to do. And then what happens, even in the American culture, in the older black families, what I found uh, that I don't see now is you get married and you start to have trouble. The family gets involved, not to create a rift, but to stabilize it. And so you're not just accountable to yourself, your, your spouse and God, you're accountable to your family because your family's depending on you to carry this thing out and represent and optimize what the potential of this thing is to do. Marriage is a hack and people don't get that part of it because they're only, they're only interested in how you make me feel. They're not, in, it's a wealth hack. It's a societal hack. It's definitely a hack for creating productive children. Uh, and, 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 and the thing is, you can build so much more. And another thing that happens in a society where we're talking about selfishness and egocentricity is this, is this thing that nobody's thinking about what them giving up on their marriage means to the next generation and the next generation. And not only are you saying it's okay to quit, and don't get me wrong, there are times you need to walk away when it's not healthy for you, when it's not healthy for your children, when you cannot see that it's ever going to come together and you are literally basically making each other miserable with no end in sight. There's no desire to work and heal. You can't work because it requires two. And, and so, I was just about to say that because a lot of the times what you're speaking of, I totally agree. If if the two people were designed in, align, in, in an alignment together and, and something happens, but but the problem with the black community with us and mo I would I would literally put money on it. It's like 80, 90 percent of us are not even supposed to be together because a lot of the people who are married today or together are trauma bonds from the trauma that we've experienced. And they don't understand that they are attached. They are, the attachment is not a connection. You're attached for some other reason. Right. And a lot of us think and go into marriage because of that. So I think a lot of our failed marriages today is because of that. And they don't understand that. I agree. I definitely agree with that. I think that now here, here is where we may differ. Because I tend to look at things in a sense of we're capable of doing far more than we believe. I believe that while it's challenging, that in that 80, let, let's, let's take your 89%. Let's say that 89% is an accurate number. In that 89%, I would say at least 50% of the 89% have some level of compatibility outside of the trauma. And here's, here's the problem, though. I believe that you can recognize what you're doing in a relationship that's tied to your trauma. They can recognize it. And that can be a level of concern, care, love, whatever you want to call it, to say, I don't, I, I don't want to hurt this person, but I care about this person enough to change. So we're going to get together and work on it. And I can say that because I've done that with couples. Uh, it's a part of what I do. Uh, the problem is very rarely are people going to click at the same time and say, you know what, we it's, it's both of us. You know, it's me with daddy issues. It's you with with what happened to you when you were 12 and, 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 and all this. And but 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 I don't want to hurt you. And you're the only person I want to spend my life with. Let's figure it out. Let's fix it. 
normally what happens is the trauma makes you defensive. So you only see the aggression or the, the transgressions of the other person and you still don't see you. And then your trauma, your trauma makes you double down on the defensive posture. And so then you become more accusatory than normal, which makes them more defensive and accusatory. And it just cascades downhill. I, I only bring that up because, again, I want divorce to be a final option. Um, when you look at it and say, man, there's absolutely no way I could heal in that environment, then you don't need to be in that environment. There's no way I can grow in that environment, then you don't need to be in that environment. I'm not safe in that environment. You definitely don't need to be in that environment. But if you can look at it and say, it's going to take some time, but I can see it. If both people are committed to saying we need to do something different, then save it because there is a price that comes with the decline in marriage and the spurning of the idea of marriage. My issue isn't so much with whether or not we're to get my, my issue is the way we view marriage anyway. Right. You know, marriage isn't viewed as this sacred engagement anymore it's we'll do it it's cool if it don't work cool that's my thing yeah. it is because here's what would happen if we would go back to pre-1972 where you actually had to prove a reason to get a divorce other than irreconcilable differences or insupportability and you go back to that and then you go back to saying, okay, if I'm in this thing, I'm in this thing and we're gonna have to figure, what you would find is far fewer people who don't belong together would get together. Mm -hmm. If you realize it's not gonna be as easy to get out of this as saying, we just don't get along, we ain't on the same page, Your Honor. That you're gonna actually have to be, you're gonna ask to be, you're gonna be asked to work on it. You're gonna be asked to make right. some, you're gonna have the community coming in and saying, hey, I'm seeing what you're doing. You need to stop that. That is a level, when you look at African cultures, there's an accountability to other people outside of yourself in your home, where men are going to hold men accountable for what they're doing. Now, men are patting men on the back. Right. Same thing. Women are gassing each other. Mm -hmm. Hell with that, you know, right. you know, blah, blah, blah. F him, girl, go... You know, and, and, and before you know it, your circle has convinced you that what you have is invaluable and that there's a greater value in you serving yourself. So in my uh, opinion, I agree 100 percent that a lot of us came together with mates because we connected on some level because we were in some way having either parallel trauma experiences are my trauma made me appealing to you and your trauma makes you appealing to me. Right. It's not the same traumatic experience, but where you're weak, I'm attracted to that. Mm -hmm. And the same, and where you see me overcompensating for a weakness, you're attracted to that. Mm -hmm. And so we come together and we feed off of that until we realize that the toxicity of the inner, the injury is still present. Right. And now we're trying to figure it out and it's just hard. So again, my, 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 my suggestion is, and again, this is the 55 year old version of me. <laughs> the 20 year old version of me said, 
chunk the deuces and move. The 55-year-old version says life is short and you're never going to find the perfect person and you're never going to find a totally healed person. Right. And that's what scares people. There's so much that we've gone to and by the time we get to I'm in my mid-50s, you're in your early 40s. We have been through some things in life. Mm-hmm. And the scary thing is, and I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, the scary thing is, we're on the good end of it. As bad as life has been for us, there are people out there that have gone through a whole yeah. lot worse. And so we're expecting them to have normal, productive, right. and we don't have anything in place. And that's my concern is that you got a bunch of people that will never truly experience what marriage was really meant to be. Mm-hmm. First of all, most of us haven't been really taught no. or, or exposed to it in a way that we see what it takes. You know, again, every movie is about romance. You get a three hour snippet of what life is like and you just run off. That's how I want my life. <laughs> Rides in on this white horse, sweeps me off my feet. He's worth $5 billion. (laughs) From all of this, you know, pretty woman on down. All of these things give women that idea. Then men will go in and there's this woman. She comes in and she does all the tricks in the bedroom. She's a master in the kitchen. Then she gets up every morning after all of that and goes to her office. And she's the CEO. And then, (laughs) and I'm going like, where they find these super people at? <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I, I want someone who is success-minded. The level of success, I think, I can impact. So it doesn't have to be you're already here. It's mm-hmm. are you willing to let me plug into you? Mm-hmm. And are you willing to say he knows something I don't know, or he has a way? Sometimes. It's not the systematic or technical engagement. Sometimes he just knows how to speak into your life in a way that when you're having one of those moments, when he finishes talking to you, you think you can go out and conquer the world. Maybe maybe it's that. Maybe it's a combination of that and, hey, let's try this. Have you, have you ever tried this? Have you ever tried that? And let's do this. Maybe he's the kind that says, hey, I see you're trying to do this. You know what? I know how to do this. I'm going to do this for you. So you don't even have to worry about that. And and whatever it is. And simultaneously, the same thing is happening on the other side. You know, the female is going, hey, look, I believe in you. I see what you're doing. I see that you're having a hard time. Tell me how I can help. And it's these little things and are looking at it, you know, just one day he comes home and X, Y, Z is sitting there and he's been trying to figure it out and, you know, Every, and the fact that we are built different in the way we think means that we both add to each other when we are thinking of each other. Right. Natural. If I have a desire to help you, I'm going to add to you because there's a way I think as a man that your brain simply doesn't process. And then there's a way as a female that you move and think that we don't, we don't, as men don't think, we think in straight lines, <laughs> you know, from here to there, that's it. I don't need to know. You guys think, well, what about this? What if this happens? What if that happens? What about this? What about that? What about that? And we're sitting up going like, are we just going to get there? <laughs> but it's the combination of the two that creates this thing. See, while you're focusing on all the turns and everything, I'm saying this is where we're going. And then you sit up and you say, okay, hey, 
I get it. And then you add, I add, boom. That's what relationships are supposed to be about. Mm -hmm. That I'm going to connect to you. And, and I often say this when I'm lecturing. When you have the right marriage, what you have is the sinking of uh, masculine energy with feminine energy, creating synergy. Synergy is the merging of energies and the sinking of energies that create a force far greater than the individual energies themselves. And that's what it's supposed to be about. Not perfect, not you know always on point, but committed at a level enough to say, this is where we're going. We're going to figure it out and be willing to say, now we need some help. You know, don't be afraid to get counseling. Don't be afraid to have spiritual confidence. Don't be afraid to have spiritual big brothers, big sisters, leaders that you can connect to. But more, most importantly, don't be afraid to be vulnerable in front of one another. Right. Uh, I think that sometimes what we can do as men speaking from personal experience and just being a man is we can be so intent on being the guy who always has the answers that we never admit we don't have it. And so the woman is sitting up there saying, well, he's got it, but he doesn't. Right. And then he can't say, I don't got it because his whole identity now is on having it. <laughs> and so We've got to create that thing to where it's okay for a man not to have all the answers. Now, he needs to be willing to go find them. He needs to be willing to seek them. He needs to be willing to accept help when necessary. But the idea that he doesn't need help, that he's this know-it-all kind of person, first of all, that's not going to fly well along in a house with a woman anyway. <laughs> because she thinks she knows everything. So <laughs> that... That is where, you know, like you really have to be confident as a man in a, enough to say, you know what? I'm going to ask, hey, I'm dealing with this or here's a problem that we have. And this is what I've been thinking about it. But for whatever reason, I can't come to a final conclusion. What's your input? And then get the input and honestly, uh, consider it and then make a decision. One of the most powerful things then, you know, you can come back in on this. One of the most powerful things that I ever experienced between my great grandparents was they would always allow me to come in. They did the bills once a month on the first of the month. They would do all the bills. They would pay the bills and they would sit down. And my grandfather was retired by the time I was old enough to really pay attention. He retired in 1972. I was five. And so he was retired. So he was sitting around. So he was getting his pension. And then he had a little lawn business. So he had some stuff. And then my, and he was getting his Social Security. And my grandmother still had her salon. Even though she was in retirement age, she still had a salon. And she was getting partial security, Social Security. And so they had money. And normally everything got paid, you know, and they would have money left over. But it was for whatever reason, there was this one time, I can't remember exactly what, that that wasn't a surplus that was a deficit something had come up unexpectedly and they needed to figure out what they were going to do about it until they get got caught up and they were at odds about the right way to do it and when i say at odds i don't mean arguing just two different opinions mm -hmm. and i'm i'm observing it and 
My grandfather says, no, this is what we're going to do. And she said, and you can hear the, the little life almost come out of her. She said, okay. And she went down, she wrote the check for who he said, write the check to. And she wrote it on her ledger, which was just the uh, composition tablet. That's where mm -hmm. that, her, her accountant book, but it worked. And she wrote it down. And later on that day, I caught her in the kitchen doing her thing. And I walked up to her and I said, mama, I need to ask you a question. Said in there when y'all were doing that today and daddy said, you know, do this and you, you didn't want to do it. I understand what you're saying. And my, you have to understand my grandfather had a second grade education mm -hmm. because son of a sharecropper born in 1909. Mm -hmm. So he had to leave uh, elementary in the second grade to go out in the fields, yeah. work with his dad to just to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. So he, you know, he, he didn't read well. And I, and I, and I said this to her, I said, he can't read. Why don't you just pay what you think should be paid and tell him you did what he said did do. And she said, let me tell you why. Number one, he's my husband. He has always covered me. Number two, uh, he does everything he can in the best way he knows how. He's not perfect and he has not always been right. But you know what? Any time that he wasn't right, he fixed it. She said, that's all I could ever ask of a man. Is I can't ask him to be perfect. I can't ask him to make every decision and be right every time. But what I can ask him is in those times that you're not right, you find a way to make it okay. And he does that. So mm -hmm. I'm going to trust him. And that just set with me forever. It's still with me, obviously. Right. right. And, 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 and it set with me. So she doesn't expect him to be right every time. She expects him to be his best and to care enough about her that when he's wrong, he fixes it. I, I'm like, okay, I can dig that. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's about. But I think that we count too heavily on the media to establish the standards and the paradigms through which we view life. And I think we 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 get caught up in romance novel, novels and we get caught up in romance books. And then we get into everybody's presentation of their re relationships on social media, you know? Uh, Cause I'm pretty sure everybody that was observing my relationship with my ex-wife was like, that's the one I want. The way this guy talks about her and the way she talks about him. Oh, this is it, this is it, this is it. And, you know, you know me well enough to know I'm not going to go in and throw any daggers or darts and, you know, anything like that. But what I can say is this. Our thing wasn't because a person in the relationship was bad. Our relationship had issues with trauma. So it goes back to your initial statement. And it takes maturity to sit up and say, I'm not going to take it personal. I understand. And it also takes maturity to say, okay, what can I do to be better myself in how I move next time? Number one is, if this is the thing we talked about, and then you take it. Trusting your heart, trusting your intuition. I think we think our, over, we overthink ourselves too on the other end. Some of us jump in. Others overthink ourselves in, like I've got clients with checklists. Well, he, you know, he had this, he had this, he had this, he had this, and that. 
and I said, but what did what did what was your initial feel? When I first met him, I didn't like him. <laughs> hmm. Okay. So God is trying to tell you something. Right. But you know better. Because basically that's what you're saying when you initially get this feeling about somebody and you go, Ugh. but but you know, she does this, she does this, she's so sexy, she's a man, my dude to lose their mind. Blah blah. All these things, superficial, are cultural, get into our decision-making process, and we don't listen to God. We don't listen to the divine nature that's flowing in us. And the more we ignore the divine nature, the more we squinch it, the more we crush it, the more we are unable to use it. And then we wonder why we are caught up in so many things that don't serve us well. Mm -hmm. You know, what's your take on it? No, I, I totally agree. Um, you touched on a lot of points I kind of wanted to uh, speak on, but um, Go right yeah, yeah, no, we definitely are designed to catch those red flags, to, you know, see things that we usually ignore. I mean, we see them. I, I, me speaking as a woman, we see the red flags, but if we like you, <laughs> we're going to pray that that person gets better and we're hoping for dear life that this person changes for the better and we're just going to stick it out. And and I think most of the couples um, are like that right now. That's how I was. Um, I saw the red flags and in, in, in before I got married, I knew he didn't want to get married. I knew um, the some of the some of the stuff that was happening in our relationship, which I won't go into detail here, but that played a big part in a divorce as well. Some of their, so we, we look at the, our partner's habits, their, their things that they're into that we don't like, and we want change going in, hoping that it will change later on. And it never does. Right. Um, so a lot of, a lot of people, I, I think that are together that are hoping that this stuff is going to somehow disappear or get better. Once they put the ring on, I'm here to tell you it's not, <laughs> right. it is definitely not. If you're, if two people are not willing to confront themselves um, and their habits that make their character not so um, good, then it's not going to work. Um, with one person confronting it and one person's not, it's still not going to work. It's it's just not going to work. But um, you touched on a few things um, as far as masculine and feminine um, energy. A lot, I think that plays a big part in marriage as well. So I'm going to speak being a woman mm -hmm. um, in our community. A lot of us get that, you know, we're, we have that stigma behind us. Oh, she's mad. She's bitter. She's, you know, we don't want to, we, we don't want to marry this, you know, a mad black woman, you know, cause they're all just bitter. They're all mad at the black man for whatever, whatever they did. And they take no accountability for themselves. So I get that. And I want to say as being a woman uh, coming from trauma, coming from um, a two parent actual household that was, you can still end up with trauma with a two parent household is what I want to get at too. <laughs> so yes. just because you are married and raising children together, just because you don't want to get a divorce because you want to have the family together, but two people who are traumatized and are and are not, you know, whole or in alignment with each other and are willing to work on their, you know, their uh, their weaknesses or their or their stuff that makes this marriage run 
you're still damaging your children. <laughs> they are going to come out and resent both of you because when it, when it could have been a, a, an amicable split and and be and peacefully co-parenting and and they could have had a better life. Believe me, I talk to people like that all the time when they're saying, hey, my parents stuck it out, but all of her was fighting. Oh, I know they hate each other. And I know it was a loveless marriage. Now they're going to go find that same thing. You're passing it right on down. It's a whole you cycle. You, so can't I heal with, huh? you can't heal with hating the home. No, you can't. And, and and with my two-parent household, it was my, my dad had horrible trauma. Like, um, and he was a recluse, like he wouldn't speak. So a lot of the time he was silent, but the way he treated my mother, my mother was like literally a servant in her house. Like I remember my dad, when he was eating, he would take a glass and, and have a silverware and tap the cup. And my mom would come running to fill his cup or do a, or, or, or his plate. He wouldn't even ask. He wouldn't say anything. It was a tap on a glass. Um, so I, me seeing this growing up, you know, I, I never wanted to be like my mother, like to this day. I mean, I'm, I'm still in my healing journey and I, and I still have triggers, but I never wanted to be like her. And that made me go out into the world saying, look, I run this. No man's going to tell me anything. No man's going to make me or tell me to get his stuff. Cause I'm not, uh, but he got two hands and he got two feet. He can go to the kitchen and get it himself. <laughs> and that's how I treated my marriage. Like it was, it was bad. Like, so just because I came from a two parent household, don't make me a perfect woman. And I know how to be a wife and be, no, it made me totally opposite. Now I'm in, not now I'm not in my feminine energy. I'm not working out my masculine energy. Now I don't want to be feminine because I don't want to be weak. I view that as a weak, a weakness for myself. Nobody's going to run over me. Nobody's going to tell me what to do because I got this. I know how to live my life. You live yours. And I'm going to tell you how to do yours too. That's, that's how I was. It was really, 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 really bad. Um, but once you realize, and I think a lot of us women are in that energy, not only just because of trauma, but because of what we've seen in our in our household and what we've seen um, other our friends or our family members or whatever go through with with the men in their lives. So now we are in survival mode and we're and we've pushed that feminine energy back and now we're we're working in our masculine energy. Now we're now we are considered the mad black woman. We're bitter. We're we're all we're aggressive. We're all and we're dominant. No, it's because we don't want to be. I want to be. I want to be living in my soft femininity. I want to be a woman. I want. I want to be taken care of. But do I want to be viewed as weak? Because when I choose the person that, that I want to be with, now he's running all over me. And now I'm like, no, I can't. I can't be in that energy anymore. Now I got to tell him what to do. So this is the problem that we're having. <laughs> this is the problem that we women struggle with. <laughs> But I, I think these are a, a, a definitely conversation that we need to have. And I agree with you 100 um, percent. For instance, in my marriage, one of the things that I had to work on real hard because it really hurt me. My, losing my marriage was extremely devastating to me because I had made up in my mind that no matter what, I was going to make it work. And so, um, you know, it just one day. You know, and, and I'm not going to try to make it seem like, you know, we had this great, perfect thing going and out of nowhere, she just came out the blue and said she didn't want to be married, married anymore. There were a lot of things that went on. So what I did is when she said she didn't want to be married anymore, I gave her that space. I didn't play no guilt trips. I can't believe you're going to do this to me. How are you going to be with me for seven years? How are you going to have all this here? You know, I asked one time, you know, is this really what you want? You know, Let's try to get, and she said, no, she needed. So I gave it to her. 
and and, and what I do, what I would do is say, okay, I'm signing these papers, but but understand that I'm doing it uh, in protest. This isn't what I want, but I'm, I, I understand. But what I did do is decide immediately the one thing I was going to be, and so I had to really actually separate from my family. Is I wasn't going to be a victim. I wasn't going to be the person going around saying she did this to me. So what I had to do is I had to get away. And so the best way to stop yourself from being a victim is find your culpability. Nobody wants to do that. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to sit up and say, okay, how did I participate in this? How did I play a role mm -hmm. in it? And it goes back to the thing is I brought my trauma into a situation where I knew she was dealing with trauma, but my ego said I could fix it. That was me. That that was nobody but me. I got this. Mm -hmm. And my my intent was general. I mean, what was, was, was admirable. But overestimating yourself puts you in situations that you don't know how to handle. And so what I did, it says, was my intent good? Absolutely. Uh, you know, did you love on her? Did you do things? Absolutely. I loved on her. I held her in high regard. I never dishonored her, never disrespected her, talked unbelievably uh, great. All the things you think, but at the end of the day, it, none of that matters. And that's the hard thing mm -hmm. to admit, that you can give your best, and your best that may be exceptionally awesome to one person may not be enough for one. Mm -hmm. And one of the things the male ego doesn't accept well is your best wasn't good enough. And it doesn't mean that you weren't good or you're not a good person. It mean, it may mean exactly what she said. She needs to be by herself so mm -hmm. that get through this. And it's nothing you're going to do except highlight certain things she doesn't want to see. Or she doesn't want to experience or she doesn't want to feel. And I'm speaking very general here. But what I'm trying to get people to understand is what I chose was to take a path to healing. Because the moment I became a victim, I had no control of how I healed. Because now I'm blaming someone else for my pain. Mm -hmm. And when you're blaming someone else for your pain, the only person that can relieve the pain is the person you're blaming. They have right. the power. So what I decided is, instead of making this about somebody's fault, let's make this about a journey. Let's make this about learning. Let's say, okay, how will I be better? Because the one thing I knew from the moment that I first found out was, if this isn't going to work, I'm hoping that some way it works. But if it doesn't work, I don't get married again. You know, that was, that, I, you know, me, I, I never could see myself being alone by myself. And I'm at an age now where I don't even have it in me to have casual relationships. Mm -hmm. So that either means I'm going to find somebody that I can be with and we can build something together or I'm going to be alone. Mm -hmm. Because I got I got buddies that I hang out with at the cigar shop, my age, man. And I'm looking like that's like the fourth chick this month, dude, that you bring bring it up in here. <laughs> and, and I'm going like, you ain't tired. You know, because like I'm like, I can't do that. When I was 30, 20, you know, whatever, when I, you know, after my first marriage in, in my late 20s and early 30s and all that stuff, when I was, you know, doing me, mm -hmm. let's just call it that. Yeah, I saw it because I hadn't really truly discovered. And even then, I one thing I knew about myself is that I'm meant to be connected with someone. Mm -hmm. Now, I hadn't really truly discovered who I was. 
but I knew I needed to be connected with someone. And then when I finally get to the point where I said, okay, I'm ready. And I go all in, I get knocked, I mean, completely flat on my back. But I decided to be positive. I, deci I decided that I was going to handle it from love. And I still deal with her with a kind heart, with kind words. And I got it because I know what she went through and she didn't deserve what she went through. You talk about childhood trauma in the house where the mom and dad is in there. You know, she went through it and I'll just leave it at that. And I'm not outing her or sharing her business. She put it in a book mm -hmm. and I've promoted the book. I've put it out there. So it's out there. Anybody who wants to read it, read. So I'm not sharing something of hers that she wouldn't want share. Mm -hmm. She has actually, that's been a good part of her healing is that she has come out and talked about it, that she has been open and she has, a, and she's grown immensely. So, and I support that growth still. Mm -hmm. uh, my whole thing is that's the other side of it that I wanted to talk about. When you say you, you want to talk about marriage and divorce. Okay. What happens when divorce is necessary? And does it mean you hate the person for the rest of your life? Right. Mean that you can't, speak to that person ever again and you get people who will ask you still you know you still have kind words you still do this for her. you still do you you know like little stuff like i still do stuff that like i've always done like handle her websites and stuff i mean why not what in the world could be wrong with it we don't have anything going on we don't you know that that's not the thing but my thing is to me, at least to me, you, you tell me if I'm wrong. To me, it takes way more energy to purposely not deal with someone, purposely find ways to let them know you're not happy with them. Like they say, you still got the pictures up on you. Man, do you know how much energy it takes to go up and take down a thousand pictures? <laughs> you know, you know, maybe when I am with someone and they express, you know, Okay, why is up? Then we revisit. Then we visit that because now it's not just me, mm -hmm. and I have to be aware of how I'm making my wife feel. But when I'm sitting up there, man, just the idea. Now I'm pretty sure she probably did it with mine, and I'm okay with that because I'm not trying to go tit for tat. Mm -hmm. Now I don't know because I haven't been on a page, but that's just it with me. It's like my healing started when I started to look for things in me that didn't need to go into the next relationship. And um, one of the things that I found was it's okay not to know. Not to have the answer to every freaking thing. And sometimes another thing that I, I, I looked at wasn't so much, I think, a contributor, but something that I just became aware of and really trying to be the best person I can be is sometimes don't lead with your strengths. And people are like, what do you mean? When you have two doctorates, you read 100 books a year, you've written 25, it's easy to come out and be come out overbearing, come out overstrong, come out as a know-it-all, come out. And, and it's just, in me, it's just natural. You know something, you want to talk about it. I'm a talker, and I've spent a lot of time learning. So I got a bunch of stuff that I can talk about, but I have to be real careful that I'm not over talking someone and making them feel out of place. And so that's something I'm working on. I'm like, it's okay to sit down and shut up. 
and 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 you know me well enough to know it's hard. <laughs> it's so hard. But and and I and I'm not trying to be. I don't think I'm better than anybody. And I think you know that about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm better than anybody. I just want to talk. I get excited about the exchange of knowledge, and I think I can learn from anybody. Right. But yeah, so that's my thing when I think about it and like something else that you spoke on that definitely needs to be something we need to follow into even into the next episode. And that is the idea of femininity as weakness and the dynamic at play. Well, it's not like you just came out of nowhere. And I think that's something that black men need to understand is that you you didn't come out of just left field saying, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so I'll check, you know, you didn't come out with that. You came from that, but after watching mm-hmm. model male manhood model room. Right. And so you decided that you weren't going to be on the other side of that poor behavior. So right. then you decided you were going to take the lead on ensuring that. Mm-hmm. So now you've moved into a dominant role in a space that you were meant to be covered in. And so now you have the conflict. But what we have to really understand is, and I try to get men to understand, if you want a woman to function in her femininity, you have to create a space that is immensely peaceful mm-hmm. and where she feels safe. If she, And then the problem is she definitely cannot feel unsafe because of you. Mm-hmm. Not only should you make her feel safe with everything around, but you definitely can't be the reason she don't feel comfortable. Right. And so I think that's something that I go out of my way to try to teach young boys with my program, Black Men Lead, is your number one responsibility is to make sure that the Black woman is safe. Then from that, we build everything else. But if she's looking at you and she's feeling like, man, I mean, and I tell every, no matter what conversation I'm having with Black men, I tell them this, look, we should be at a place where a black woman is in a space and she's the only black person in there or it may be two or three black women but they're the only black people in there and they're feeling uncomfortable and one black man walks in and from that point on they're at ease simply because she understands that his first instinct is going to be to protect her right even if he doesn't know her and that's the place we got to get to and we're so far away from it because everybody's in a defensive mode Mm-hmm. everybody's trying to defend their perspective, defend their point of view and point out why they're right. And nobody's willing to say, well, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Uh, I think the reason we click in the things we do is we naturally stay in our lanes. Yeah. And we literally thrive in them. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, and, I, and I think that, that's the thing that we need to be teaching the next generation is right. know who you are and stop trying, stop. You know, I've never had to get you to or challenge you or be, you know, dominating to you to get you to respect me. The way I've handled you from day one, you simply do. Right. And same thing. You don't have to get me to be concerned and treat you in a way where you feel like, hey, I think he's, you know, you know, he, he's cool. He's got me. You you don't have to think that or, or, or you don't have to navigate it or negotiate it or whatever. It's just like, OK, it's cool. So now you're comfortable being you. I'm comfortable being me. We create this thing. We're doing this thing and we float. And the thing that 
I don't even know if anybody picked up on it, but it happened almost at the beginning or the top of this episode where that was a point that you made where it wasn't in direct alignment with what I said. And you said, you know, about the 89%. Right. Coming together. And I was talking about working out marriage. And we need to, and you came in and he was like, hey, look, the problem is a lot of us don't need to be together. <laughs> and, and the point is the way it was done on both sides kept right on going. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody's feeling out of place. Nobody feeling, because the truth of the matter is we both have truths. Mm -hmm. And we need to be respectful of each other's truths and observations. That's how we learn. When someone becomes absolutely dogmatic about something, you can't teach them jack. Right. And so when, when you talk like, you know, she's got a valid point there, you know, nobody wants to hear that because it probably steps on toes. Right. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm trauma bonded. No, but, <laughs> but, you know, but the thing is, I think that this experience to me, though, you know, if I would have chosen, I wouldn't have gone through it has definitely put me in a situation to where. I think I'm actually in a place where I can experience life at a high level. Um, you needed the, you needed the lesson, you needed the experience, and I and I and I needed that experience, and I needed that lesson um, when I was going through my my uh, program with Queen Afua as a sacred woman. Um, we touched on divorce, as Queen Afua is divorced as well, and she's remarried. But um, when I was speaking on it, she actually would say. You know, divorce is such a, you know, a harsh, a harsh word. She was like, a lot of people don't understand that sometimes that's needed. So instead of saying it, you say, this is, we, this is your transformation. Because we do, we do, we transform after that, or we should be transforming after that to learn the lesson, to understand why it happened, what, you know, what, what'd you get out of it? Um, and so it's my transformation. Um, but yeah, I, I feel as a woman, a lot of us who are in that, situation um or i don't want to even say a lot of us have that mentality it could be men too have that mentality to where we're stuck we feel we're stuck in a situation that uh if we divorce you know what what are we going to do now what, what as far as financially for women if, if you're being taken care of by um your husband um how are you going to make it on your own so you feel stuck and you got to stay there um and, you know, and that was, I'm going to be honest, that that was my situation as well. I wasn't working when I went through my divorce. He was taking care of the entire household. Um, I was actually in school full time. So when that happened, um, a lot of a lot of women probably would have folded. They probably would have when like, you know, I, I, I can't do it. I got to stay. How else am I going to make it? Um, I I have that mentality to where I'm going to make it regardless. So. I, I, you know, I knew I was going through this divorce. I knew I needed to get, find some income ASAP because I have three children now and it's going to be me. I'm going to be on my own. I'm going to be paying bills for the first time in years. I didn't have to touch a bill. My, my ex-husband did all that. Um, so I had to be mentally prepared. I had to be mentally ready and I prepared myself and got ready for it. Of course, when I got out on my own, I struggled. I'm not going to lie. I struggled tremendously. Mm -hmm. Um, but I knew I had to make it happen. Like I, I knew I didn't have, I didn't give myself any options. The option was to get on your feet and let's go and let's get it. So, and that's what I did. But I, I always want to tell women out there, you do, you can make it. Don't ever think that you're stuck or, or you don't have any, anywhere to go. There's things out there that even, even programs out there that can help you with, with what you got going on in your household. 
Um, but it's the mentality, it's that mindset. And, that, and that's what I kind of want to reach people, men and women, it's that mindset. Because once you already have that mindset of, oh, I can't or I can't, you, no, you won't because you have that mindset. The mindset is you have to eliminate those 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 limitations you've already strapped to your mind, remove them and understand that you can do it. You can go out there and do it. I'm, I'm, I'm promising you, you can. <laughs> right. And, 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 and this saying has been attributed to everybody from Henry Ford to Plato, but uh, it, it's real simple and it's very powerful. He who believes he can and he who believes he can't are usually both right. Um, and I work a lot with people on overcoming limiting beliefs mm-hmm. because your beliefs become the boundaries of your existence, the boundaries of your human performance. And that's in relationships like we're talking now. That's also in your careers. That's in your finances and so much more. I have, as a person, experienced the gamut in almost everything in my life because I shoot for stuff. So I'm always chasing something. I'm always stretching myself. And a lot of times, like a rubber band, you stretch yourself and all of a sudden something happens and you slip, you come flying back and you bump your head, bust yourself up and you got to get up and go back out. And I've done that. But what I can tell you is, Say, for instance, in finance, I've experienced the up and downs, ins and outs of it because I'm always challenging myself. Uh, I'm on the way back up again um, and I'm going through all kind of growing pains. And then I look at where I'm at. And the mindset is different, though, than when I was a young kid before I ever did it. When I was a young kid, I had to be convinced first that I could do it before I ever even tried it. Mm -hmm. Now that I've done it, it's not a question about whether I can do it. So even when something is sitting there and it's looking like this is the worst possible scenario and, and you know, somebody's going like, you're not tripping? Like, no, I'm going to figure it out. Right. I always do. You know, and, and, and so, but it's the mindset. Mm-hmm. The thing that another person could be in a situation in that same situation and literally shoot themselves. Mm-hmm. Or not even that worse, but like, man, I can't, I'm tired. And just bam. And, and they, they remove themselves from the equation because their mind had told them there was no other solution. Right. I don't believe there's not a solution. Neither do I. <laughs> I. I refuse to accept the fact that I will ever encounter any obstacle mm-hmm. that doesn't have an opening and a, a, a thing around. Now, there are times where it gets scary. That's okay. I'm okay with that because unless it kills me, it's making me stronger. Mm-hmm. Unless it literally takes my last breath I'm coming out of it a better person. Right. It, I, I'm like I said in in 55 years, I've yet to see that not happen, where I go through something. Now I, while I'm going through it, I'm going like this: is some BS. Right. You know, this is, you know, and then sometimes I'm looking at God's like, hey man, uh, really? Uh, I don't had enough lessons. Let Let's not do this one. But at the end of the day, what I understand is, and it is something that people who have listened to me have heard me say. Uh, Matter of fact, I had a preacher, a, a, a pretty well-known pastor I was counseling in 2012, and that was like the worst year of my life. And here I am, I'm counseling people who are doing so much better than me on the outside. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing I've got a piece that they don't have on the inside. But he asked me a question. He was like, man, I'm finna walk away from it all. I'm putting my pastoral ship down. I'm walking away from the church. I'm leaving it all. If you can't explain this. And he was like, why is it that 
blacks are the most prayed up, churched up, spiritual. And we are constantly in last place. And he was serious. He was ready to throw it all away. Mm -hmm. said, you don't have an answer. I'm done. I said, well, there are a whole bunch of dynamics when it comes to prayer. I said, most of us pray and we don't understand the dynamic of prayer. I said, first of all, prayer is communication. It's a it's a communication. And we normally do it through tradition and ritual, like mm -hmm. we were taught to do. Right. Who ritualistically enters relationships? Nobody. Nobody. No. You enter it organically. You develop an understanding. You open up to God. The problem is we're looking for a dude somewhere a billion miles away. Right. Home, rather than looking right next to us or more importantly inside of us. Mm -hmm. Here's here's the first part. The first part is most of us have this one-sided conversation. Every time I ask a person about their prayer life, they tell me, well, I start like this and then I do this and then I say this and then I say this and I said, okay, we're 30 minutes in. You ain't shut up yet. Where are you listening? Now, keep in mind, you're talking to omniscience omnipotence, pure consciousness. The answer to your problem is who you're talking to, but you won't shut up. The problem is also, if you're taking nothing but pain, fear, hurt, and, 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 and all that stuff into your prayer, you're distancing yourself from the divine by creating a negative frequency, right. energy, and vibration that won't allow you to touch. You at 250 hertz, God at 750 and higher. How are you communicate with him? You talking? Right. That's the first thing. But here's the biggest thing. I said, let's say we get that out of the way. Even when you get your prayer life down and you start to hear from God, here's one thing I can tell you that the answer is always going to be no to. And it blows people's mind. And that's why everybody thinks God isn't listening to them or God doesn't care about them. God is never going to sit. God is never going to deliver you from the giants he designed and sent you to slay. Right. There are some things in this life you were meant to face. Right. You overcoming them is giving people who are observing you that you're not even aware of permission to stand up. And you have to conquer that giant. You can't sit up and get around the giant. Right. You can sit up and hide. You can run from it. You can, and you can't even do that. No, because you're going to hide in misery and pain and you're still going to have bumps, bruises, right. and stuff to show for it. You might as well get up and say, well, I'm going to take this lick. I'm going to go out here and give a few. And, and, and go out and do that. But that's the thing that I look at is and when I first asked you about doing that was how could we collectively inspire a mass of people to see life differently, to start to believe in something more, to be able to get out of their moment and be able to say, you know what? I got it. You know, that has been my mantra since I've been an adult. The first time I ever hit something hard and I couldn't get through it and I started to really doubt myself, I stopped and I thought. And I did. I consulted my religious teachings, but I have never been religious, even as a person who has a doctorate in theology. I have never been religious in how I move. I've always been, God's too big for me to put, in a, in, to put into a system and hold him in there. Now, I can understand him in the system, but he's so much bigger and so much broader, so much stronger, and it's not just he. There's feminine energy as well. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I come to know God and all of that, but 
what I did notice is that it, I, I went back to Job and there's this point where God's having this back and forth conversation with Job and Job is laying it all out on the line and he's frustrated. And God says, do you not know that you can, you shall declare a thing and it shall be established with the things you speak. And then if you go to the book of Proverbs, you look at Solomon and Solomon says that uh, power, the power of life and death is in the tongue. And then you start to realize, then you go to the book of Hebrews and the person who wrote the book of Hebrews tells you that you can call something that doesn't exist as though it did and it manifests itself. So over and over again, my self-talk is a dictating force in my life. So what I did, I said, I went in there and I would look in the mirror. I didn't have the answer. I didn't know the outcome. And I was getting, uh, in an old phrase, in an old term, I was getting mollywhopped by life. <laughs> and I would look in the mirror and I would go, you're built for this. I didn't know the answer, but I was telling myself I'm built for this. And in, 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 in the book of Lamentations where uh, Jeremiah is talking about all the things that he had went through as a prophet, he's talking about it. And there's a part, I believe in chapter three, where he sits up and he goes, and he's, he's thinking about all the things that they threw him in a pit. They, 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 they terrorized him. They, they made fun of him. All these different things. He's remembering it, but he's remembering I came out of it victoriously. And so he sits up and says, these are the things I recall to mind. Therefore, I have hope. And I'm like, uh. So the things that I'm going to pull out of my past are the victories. Right. I should have been dead here. I should have been. And you look back, and if you look over your life, and you look back, and you say, man, everything I went through as a child. There's no way I'm supposed to be where I'm at right now. So whatever's coming at me at this point, I'm built for it. Right. Now, once I tell myself I'm built for it, I calm down. And the more I calm down, the more anxiety leaves, the more worry leaves, the more stress leaves. Then God opens up to me because now I'm starting to climb into the realm of gratitude. And I'm getting closer so I can hear. Now, this isn't an audible hearing. This is literally a spiritual DNA connecting and, right. and communicating in ways that you can. If you've never experienced it, you can't explain it. You can't understand it. You have to experience it. But that thing right there is where we excel. And I've watched you from, you know, like I said, at a distance in your growth patterns while I've gone through my healing. And I'm like, yeah, she gets it. And again, yeah. Neither one of us are perfect. Uh, and I don't think we've ever presented that. But I think that we're at a place where we can share in hope and, and uh, share in hope and healing. Mm -hmm. I think that we have something to give. And so I'm going to let you close it out and say bye to everybody and share your last thoughts. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll move on because I didn't stole it again. I'm going to have to go. <laughs> no, you're always you're I, I you're always good. I, I love to hear you speak um your truth and the truth that's being spoken out here is very powerful um and i do believe that we both bring something to the table um that a lot of people need to hear um and like you said and like you said before we do not consider ourselves like perfect we don't have this thing down and i think this what i think this is what um this podcast is about it's about us speaking about these things our experiences where we come from and sharing our wisdom on a lot of things that we've gone through um, and what we know. And, 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 in, and in turn, we are still taking in knowledge. We're still learning from each other. We're still healing, per se, through this, through this process of us even speaking 
um, on a lot of these um, topics with each other. Um, and I and I appreciate you for that. Um, so, you know, I I always want to speak on uh, the realness of and like you said, a lot of people I, I speak on a lot of things a lot of people don't want to hear. So um, a lot of triggering things, a lot of things that I believe need to be um, at the forefront of of the conversation with our people and in our community because we're so used to being on the hush hush. Um, let's not talk about that. Oh, maybe we don't talk about it. We can ignore it. It's going to go away. No, it's not going to go away. We need to bring all this to the forefront so we can speak about it and not be embarrassed because a lot of times what you're embarrassed about, somebody else is going through right right now. <laughs> so right. We don't need to be embarrassed. We need to be speaking about it. We need to speak loud about it. Um, right. But I love this topic today. Um, I, I We can go on and on about this topic, actually. <laughs> There's a lot of things that we haven't, done, we haven't touched on. Um, regarding marriage itself and and, and divorce and, um, tr- and and the trauma bonds and the uh, stuff that keep us attached to each other um, that no longer need to, to have an attachment um, <clears throat> and mindset. So I, I, all the topics here was it was really good that we can go on and on as far as the feminine masculine energy. Um, but I believe what you just spoke on is very um, powerful because like you said if you haven't gone through a spiritual awakening um to transform your life literally from nothing having nothing um to having things that you've never had before and the stability now i'm not even talking financially yeah that comes with it but i'm talking about emotional stability um when you go through that, and it's like you said, it's hard to explain. When I went through mine, you are literally connected and, and hearing clearly what needs to be done with yourself. And you literally click into your purpose. You understand what you need to do, not only for yourself, but for the collective of people. And not even for just the people, even if you have children. Now you understand what needs to be done for your children so that this will not, will not carry on, that the negative traits, the toxicity, the all the stuff that you are, we are afraid to confront with ourselves so that we can become better people. We can now stop it in its tracks and we can have a, a, a healed lineage. That's basically what you're doing. When a person it comes into this awakening, this knowledge itself, you are stopping the, the negative and literally healing a whole lineage of your family, your, your generation, the family. Um, and, 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 and it's powerful. So um, I'm glad we spoke on this topic. Um, I, I want to thank everybody for listening to me. Um, I, there's a lot more that I would love to say, but um, we don't have that much time. <laughs> so. but, well, we, we, we're going to come back and we're going to visit on it. Uh, and we're going to just pick up where we left off in, in, with the feminine energy, the masculine energy, uh, the roles, um, the healing, all of the things that we touched on. We're going to expand a little more on them. Uh, again, I think that it's a very powerful topic. Uh, I think we uh, will take it'll take some time to really do it justice. Mm-hmm. I think we did a good uh, good job in the time that we uh, spent on it today. So I'm really looking forward to it. So until next time, you guys, thank you. We appreciate you. Uh, I'm Rick Wallace. That mm-hmm. is. I'm Tiffany. Thank you for listening. And we will see you on the next episode of Ascension.
quote unquote making a statement about a group of people. I think that the outrage that is being shown uh, about these ads from Balenciaga thought was for me um, in radiology. So since I hadn't been to college, I had to do all of my basics and stuff. So I did a year of that. And then I got accepted into the uh, Coleman College.